Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just nine. $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 1871 podcast. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined again by former Royal striker Simon Church, who's back again after his guest appearance in Series 1. And we'll be talking to Simon about Reading's relegation to League 1 and what's gone wrong for Reading. And we'll also be talking to Simon about his time at Reading and we'll catch up with him on what he's up to now. So welcome back to the 1871 podcast, Simon. Thank you. Good to have you back. And before we speak to you, Simon, I just want to have a quick word with the 1871 podcast voice of Radio Berkshire. It's Johnny Hunts. And uh, Johnny keeps getting invited on BBC Radio Berkshire to talk about what's going on at at Reading. So uh, nice to have a bit of representation for the podcast there. So well done for that, Johnny. Yeah, where's 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 my check? Where's my money? Yeah, it? it was a fiver, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah, for this yeah. season. Oh, so I keep forgetting. Remind me, anyway, <laughs> Johnny. It's a day after Reading's relegation, and you've you've almost got a smile on your face. But I think that's more to do with my my dad jokes, isn't it? Well, there is that, and and I've managed to, to get through another first aid course after about the twentieth time of doing it. So you know, that's yeah, the it brightens my day, numbed the pain a bit. It has, mate. They couldn't help me with any any Reading related things, but at least I can help other people. Yeah, OK. Well, uh, it's it's the day after Reading's relegation to League One. And we spoke last night, Johnny, after the final whistle had blown in, in a Huddersfield game. How are you feeling now? Oh, look, it's, it's funny. It's actually a relief. It's over because I think the the impending doom, it felt like Dad's army were all doomed, we're all doomed. And you're waiting for it. You're hoping and praying it's not going to happen. But you kind of knew it was going to. It's just horrible, toxic. And, and sad, like it, it. That's the part of it. It's sad, you know. I'm sure for Simon's next player and fan, all of us as fans, you know, the players that are there, maybe the, you know, it's just sad. But we, it's what it is, and and there's no point in dwelling on it now. It's done. We have to start trying to make a way out of this mess and 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 look forward and how we can look forward and how we can change things and how we can do better. And I'd love to hear what Simon's got, you know, what what he thinks on this because it it needs to change. Yeah. Uh, and 
we're still in the championship at the moment. Obviously, we'll be playing in, in League One next season, but we've still got um, one game to go. Uh, we haven't won since Blackpool um, in February. 3-1 win against Blackpool back in February. What are the chances, Johnny, of, of Reading ending that run at Huddersfield on Monday, do you think? I'd probably go up there and smash them 4-0 just to annoy us all, just to make us go, yeah, well, this is what you could have won, you know, like in bullseye. Um, I even I that's can't... wishful thinking, isn't it? It is, mate, but, I'm, you know, that's me. A lot of dream. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I think the young lad's gone back to Chelsea already, the, the, the loanee, um, so he won't be there. And maybe there's a few others that, you know, won't play, won't risk them if they're on loan from other clubs because of injuries and that, and that's fine. Put 11 youngsters out there that want to play. Andy Carroll, I think, come out and apologise and says he's going to work hard over the summer, which is great to hear from a, an experienced pro, and hopefully he'll stay next season and help us rebuild. And I look forward to seeing him smashing up League One because that'll be entertaining. Well, one player that we could do with who, who scored a few goals for Reading would be Simon Church. Simon, any any chance of signing on for one game to to get a win? No, I don't think I could even time. I wouldn't want to play in League One anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, look, gonna. Going to have a chat with you now, Simon. And and as I say, thanks ever so much for joining us. First of all, what do you make of Reading's relegation to League One? I mean, if we if we're honest, it's probably been coming, um, which is a, it's sad to say uh, for a club like Reading. Obviously, with the uh, with the history, well, the, the more recent history that we've had, it's, it's you know we've been pushing the the top of the championship as a minimum requirement. Um, but yeah, you just look at the last, I guess, six, seven years and you see what's happened behind closed doors. You can see it, certainly as an ex-player coming back to the club, you can you can tell that the club's completely lost its identity. It's lost its kind of direction. It's lost its connection with the fans. Um, it just feels completely different. And the problem is, I guess, you know, when new owners come in, Football clubs have to evolve, and that's part of football. So sometimes we hold on to the good times and and, and stuff like that. But you shouldn't lose your identity. You shouldn't lose your connection. You should, you know, it's the club. The club's bigger than the people that that come in and and bring it. And you certainly feel like, yeah, that's been completely lost. Uh, and what would you single out, if you like, as as the main differences with the current setup at Reading compared to your time at the club? Uh, there's a complete lack of togetherness. Um, I feel like, you know, even when I was 14, 15, 16, coming into the stadium, the club, you feel it's a family club. You've got the relationship from the, you know, from the youth team all the way up to the first team. We all have the same goals. You all understand what you're trying to achieve. I just think looking from the outside and obviously speaking to people at the club and, and noticing myself, that they've just completely lost that. And, you know, there's only, we can blame so many people, we can blame the players, they've got to take the responsibility, they're out on the pitch. But I think at the end of the day, you've got to look at the board and you've got to really say, what what's happened? Like, they've spent money, you can't deny that they've spent money, um, but who is making the decisions and who's advising them? Obviously, don't have a clue about football. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know, moving forward now, um, we, we've got we've got some time um, across the summer to kind of sort things out a little bit. But where do you 
think Reading need to go from here? I think they need to to really just cut it back and and start again. I think it's a complete rebuild. What whatever's working, the people that are making the decisions are making the right decisions. I think that's clear to see from the past couple of years. Um again, it's easier said than done. I think if you look at it, you need to get people who who know the club. I think they need to have that relationship back with the fans, a relationship back with the fans. There's obviously there's obviously a, a real disconnect between the, the, the players and the board, the players and the, the fans, the fans and the club now. There's just a disconnect all the way through. And I feel like you need to be bringing people in that can assist that, who have the experience in in this. Because, you know, you might have a big budget for, for League One next year, but that doesn't guarantee you anything. And I think if on previous, you know, successes, look at our, our promotion and, and the promotion before that, didn't have the biggest budget, but we had a togetherness. And what I've experienced in football is you just need that kind of identity, that together, togetherness, people buy into it. And that relationship with the fans, you know, I went to uh, the Burnley game. Uh, I didn't see the Wigan, the Wigan game, but just having the fans back in makes a huge difference. And, um, yeah, it's difficult. It's going to be a difficult kind of uh, season. What what they'll do behind closed doors, I don't know. But I think they should start recruiting. You know, at the board level first uh, certainly needs to be looked at. Uh, and Johnny, going to bring you in now. Yeah, so if you know, if you were you were running the club from from a playing point of view. If we started there, like you've seen us over the last few years. The team pretty much has been woeful. You know, we've finished lower in the league every season, bar I think the Apstam season where we got to the playoffs. But every other time in the last seven years, we had the one with Palco, we fell apart and ended up seventh. But the rest has been 18th, 19th, 20th with a big squad of players, experienced players, blah, 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 blah. You know, we can go on and on. What, how do we need to change the, the mentality almost of the players? It feels, do you know, it's, it, it, with that seems not to be there that you had as a team that closeness and that bond. Yeah, I, I think that's so important in, in football. You need that, that comes from the management. The management have to be able to, you know, control that. Um, you know, directors of football, they have to be in control of making the right decisions. For, for the club. Um, of course, in football, there's a lot of politics and all that kind of stuff going on back and Like, you know, you just don't know what's going on. And, you know, so I'm fully aware of that. But I think with where Reading are, they just need to get back to basics and, and go back to something that, you know, that was there with the club when I was at 14 all the way through. And that's why they've had that success. Everyone's buying into it. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, but I think it's going to, even the academy players, I've got to be honest, the academy players, they're just not good enough for pushing where, where they should be and where the club should be. And that's just, that's just being honest and, and where they're at. They're just not there. I mean, we've had some great, great players coming through the academy that they've struggled on. But again, you know, they haven't made the most of that and they haven't reinvested well. They've spent money. A lot of the players are on massive, massive money. There's good experienced players. But again, if you can't have someone 
that brings everyone together and buys into it. You, as a player, you have to buy into what we're doing and believe that you can achieve it. If you don't have that, you're just you're just going to go nowhere. Yeah, and and, like, and then like management wise, I mean, you know, Paul Lintz, I, I'd, I'd like to be interested to hear what you what you think of him. But also, I, I you know, Noel Hunt's come in very late in the day and done as good a job probably as he could. And I know you, you played with Noel, and I, you know, I wouldn't have a bad word to say about him. But do you do you think he could be the future manager, or do you think we need to look elsewhere? Or what kind of fit of manager do you think we need? Um, it's difficult. I know. I know. Paul Lins came in, and I'm not what like. It, it was a strange one. Like, I'm not going to slate. He's an amazing career. You know, he's he's managed football clubs. He probably couldn't believe it after eight years or whatever it was that he, yeah. he hadn't managed the club. And he just comes in. It's a strange, strange, regardless of whether it's right or wrong, it's, it was such a strange appointment. Yeah. Um, and it obviously didn't work. So I think, I think a manager coming in now would have to be able to, to rebuild and put his is um, a stamp on it as like a longer term thing rather than a quick win we need to get promoted this season well if you need to get promoted this season it's not just the manager it's not just the players it's how you're going to recruit how you're going to set that up how you're going to start because it's not going to be as easy as bringing in top top class manager and you, do you know what we're just going to spend a bit of money get the right person in get the players in and we're going to go up because that's just not going to work yeah and like you know, at that level now, um, you know, our scouting system, I think, you know, that some of you guys have taught, you know, we've, we haven't had a scouting system for, for a long time and we've had the super agent involved and all that kind of stuff. I, where where do we need to start looking for players? I know, you know, we, we need hungry players, don't we? Young players, we need a fit. But how easy is that to do, you know, from the teams that you played in? What made that work? as a bond between a group and then what can, you know, I know it's a different era, but what, how can that be rebuilt to move forward in a positive way? Yeah, it's difficult because, um, you know, when I had it at Reading, we had, we had the spine, the spine of the team was academy players. They knew the, the, the club inside out, they had that relationship and everyone else who came in bought into everything else that we were, we were a part of. Yeah. And we learned that from the previous teams and the experience of, you know, Steve Cockle, that kind of stuff led us forward into that. Um, when I went to different clubs, uh, I had experience of having new owners and the players losing complete confidence of the board, having problems with the managers. They keep changing the managers all the time. There's no, it, it, it takes its effect. And I know as a player, you have to take full responsibility of your performances, but people don't. People also need to understand that a player they play for the team. They have to buy into it. If they don't buy into it, they're going to look after themselves. Yeah, and yeah. that's just that's just the ruthlessness of, of football. So when you say about loyalty, because even when I was at Reading, I was there for fourteen, but there was no loyalty shown to me. I was, I was chucked to the side. They didn't. Yeah. I didn't yeah. care for for political reasons. So it's like. At the end of the day, it's a business. It is, whether we like it or not, it's a business. And, you know, it's a badly run business at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Simon, I just just wanted to ask you. You obviously um, you had quite a few loan spells. So as well as Reading, you you played at Charlton and M- M- MK Dons, um, and you had loans out at Crew, Yeovil, Wickham, Leighton Orient, Aberdeen, and dare we mention it, you also had a loan spell at Huddersfield, by the way. Um, and you also play for Scunthorpe and Plymouth. You played in Holland, and of course, you represented Wales. So you talk about buying into what a club's doing, what a, a team is doing. And and you mentioned that word loyalty. Where where did it go really well for you and the, the team or the teams that you were playing with? Was was that at Reading or was it somewhere else or have you had that at various points in your career? The only the only two clubs where I felt like we could achieve something was the team at Reading and with Wales and the two similarities that we had, again, it wasn't about money. There wasn't any massive players on massive money, egos, like any kind of, it was togetherness and the group bought into what the manager was saying. That happened with with Brian. He created a team. He, he allowed us to manage ourselves. We had great characters in there. We all fought for each other. We all wanted it because we all believed it. And it's difficult when you haven't got a group pushing for the same way who's, who's in it. People say it. People say... I'm trying my hardest. It's just not what. Nah, that, that, that that's not enough. It's um, you all have to buy into it. And I found that with Reading, and I certainly found that with Wales. We we had that relationship with the manager. We had that relationship with the fans. Same as Reading, we had that relationship with the manager. We had that relationship with the fans, and it all comes together. And I couldn't. I didn't have that anywhere else. And I I struggled with that. Maybe it was because you know I, was, I, I kind of got brought up in that you know, that mindset of this is what it takes to be successful, watching the players that, you know, I was coming through with, seeing Steve Koppel, how he brought on, going to like that, then with Wales, Gary Speed, how how we be successful, to playing in the Euros, understanding what it takes to be successful there. And I think, you know, from a club's point of view, sometimes they think, you know, a change of manager will do the job or a change of, you know, chuck loads of money at it. But that's not how football works. We're, we're people. You have to understand the people and the people have to buy into that. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not doing things as a unit, it's it's never going to work. Yeah, Johnny, uh, going to bring you back in now, if that's okay. Yeah, just, you're saying about uh, management and you said about Gary Speed. These these people, Simon, these, Brian, McDermott, what, it is, what is it they have that makes you believe you know, because I'm sure anybody could come in as a manager and say, Simon, this is this, and you're going, yeah, all right, mate, whatever. But when somebody comes in like that, what makes you go, yeah, this is... I think I think it's just how they how they are. Like, you've got to be treated... First and foremost, people see us as footballers, not as not as people and humans. Like, what, what, what triggers us? Like, what is going to get the best out of us? And yeah. that's buying into something. You know, you haven't just got 11 players there, you've got a squad some of the squad aren't going to buy into it that's that's just you know that's just the numbers but the majority if you're not if you're not playing and you think you're going to get get a chance you've got to be able to be managed the right way so when you get your chance you're bought in and you're ready and there's no toxic kind of change room there's no issues going on you know with the board there's no issues with contracts there's no issues with you know changing the manager every six months or five months or three months it's not going to work and I think 
yeah when you've got when you've got a collective from the top to the bottom and everyone's on the same page yes there's going to be disagreements and, and problems and issues but if you're all on the same page pushing towards the same thing you understand the positions and able to talk that's all it is it's not rocket science yeah but, but people in football overcomplicate it and, and what baffles me the most is people in football that don't know football are making footballing decisions that baffles me the most and they wonder why it doesn't work because they don't understand what it takes in a change of room because at the end of the day you can have everything perfect outside of that but in the change of room is where it counts on the pitch is where it counts and people lose focus of that and I don't I don't quite understand it and what you know when you're I'm sure you have when you're playing alongside players that aren't and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but you, they're not fighting for the cause that you are. How hard is that? I mean, I'm sure you must have seen it in your career. I'm not even necessarily at Reading, but do you know what I mean? Like, as, as a fellow player, how do you try and deal with that? Or is it hard to? Or is it a management thing? Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult when... <sighs> it's not like players really... As players, we don't... You know, you're going out to be professional. You are professional. This is what we love doing. We've given, we're given the opportunity and everyone's fighting to play on, on the Saturday or Tuesday and start at 11. So no one's going to go into it and, and toss it off, really. But it's just you can't control 11 players and you need 11 players to buy into everything. Yeah. And it, especially in the championship, it's, it's, it's hard. Saturday, Tuesdays, it's difficult. You're playing against... But that's where you need the squad and you need everyone to buy into it. And, you know, if you're not pulling your weight, have characters that will pull you up on it. And you're doing it in the right way, where it's not just ego against ego against yeah. ego. Because unfortunately, especially now, you know, we've kind of moved away from that old school. Let's have it out. Let's stand up and have it out. out now, we just sit back and we're just on our phones and no one really cares and, you know, you go on Twitter or whatever and you say, oh, there's always the next game. It's a load of bollocks. <laughs> and we all know it. Yeah. But it's, it, it, unfortunately, yeah, we've kind of lost that that old school mentality of let's just fight. Let's fight. If he's not pulling his weight, call him out. Yeah. Uh, Simon, I, I wanted to ask you about your experience of retiring as a player, what, that, what that's been like for you, um, you know, and that, that experience and how it's affected you and how you've dealt with that really? Yeah, it was, diff- it was difficult. Um, yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I, I wasn't expecting to retire. I didn't think I would. Um, I knew I had an issue um, with my hip, but I never thought I'd have to retire from it. And I guess it's, it's, you know, when after Reading, I kept moving, I just couldn't settle. I couldn't get into the same kind of rhythm um injuries breaking down all this kind of stuff and then when you retire it's yeah it, everything you kind of work from I, I i was playing i was playing for wickham at what was i eight years old so i was in a professional kind of system from eight years old all the way up to 28 and it's all i ever known all i ever wanted to do and then it kind of gets taken away and um you always look back and reflect and say, I probably could have done more, should have done this, I regret doing this, I really regret And then you kind of let it go. But you take it for granted when you're in those situations that even when I was at 
you know, Charlton and things like that when I'm getting told to train by myself and you think the world's, even at Reading, training by myself at Reading, um, you know, you think the world's, it could be a lot worse and you should actually just accept that this is part of part of football. But um, it's difficult. It's difficult when you come out of it because you, you're not really aware of anything else um, in the real world, really. Yeah, and you mentioned Gary Speed, um, and obviously you, you talked about having a good experience with Reading and, and Wales, and, and being part of that togetherness there. And obviously, we all know what happened with Gary Speed, fantastic player. You know, went on to to do well in in management as well, with including Wales. Um, you know, and, and and what happened to him? How much of an issue? Do you think mental health is uh, in in terms of you know if it if you're out for a while with an injury or when you retire from playing and you're not quite sure what to do next? Do you think enough is being done and how much of an issue is it with you know players that are still in the game and they can't get in the first team or they're out injured? What what do you think? The, the size of the issue is at the moment and, and what do you think can be done about that? Yeah, there's a, there's a huge, huge issue with it. Um, you know, like I said, you're kind of conditioned and you're in the system from the majority of us from, from a young age. And when you've got the pressure of trying to perform every week, you've got, you know, the roller coaster of not performing well, the expectations, the abuse, um, the pressure of, you know, wanting to make the most of your career, earn as much money as you can, be successful, play every week. Uh, there's there's so many things that that um, that is difficult, and people forget that you're just you're human. You go home and you have your own problems. You've got your own personal problems, kids. Maybe, like there's so many other issues, and people think, you know, they look at people like Deli Ali, for example, fallen fallen from from the sky. But people will be quick to judge him, quick to tell him what he's not, what he should have, he's wasted his way. But people forget he's human. He's yeah. going to have issues and it's impossible for people to kind of take that on. So when you say, is there is there much to it? I didn't have a phone call. I, I literally got told I'd retire. I had an issue with Plymouth uh, getting that sorted and, and retiring. I didn't have one phone call to say, just checking in. Are oh, you right? Do you need any help with the future? Kind of nothing, and I think I didn't expect it because I knew what football was about, and I don't expect anything. And I think a lot of players, a lot of players are in the same situation when they lose something that they've been conditioned to do day in day out, day in day out for years and years and years, and they come out of it and they're like, you lose your identity a little bit, you lose your purpose, and I think that's why it's so important for for people to start thinking about other things while you're playing it's not promoted certainly when I was younger it was um it was seen as a negative thing you should just be focusing on your football um but as soon as you leave the club no no one gives a shit you know as soon as you leave uh, come out of football no one gives a shit and it's unfortunately that's that's the reality and you see you know I saw Bellas Craig Bellamy come out the other day and say about his financial issues and you know, it's unfortunately it's it's such a circle that you look at governing bodies like the PFA and things like that. I mean, the amount of money they've got and they're there for the players, but they're not. 
they're not. It's, it's, there's a lot that could be helped with it. And unfortunately now, as, as players, it takes for someone to do something or be bankrupt or go for a real mental health problem, which we all do. We struggle with. We're not doing something we've loved and, our, and dedicated our lives to. There's not the resources or understanding or even, you know, we're men. It, we rarely talk about it. We we keep it in. We get on with it. Whether that's a sexist comment, I don't. I, I don't care. I think it's true. Yeah. So it's it's yeah it's a huge problem. Yeah, and and Simon, uh, Johnny, before I come back to you, just yeah. just want to ask Simon, um, tell us about you know what you've been doing since retiring, what you're doing now, and also you know how much of your kind of mentality that you applied as a player. Are you applying now to whatever it is that you're doing? So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I've got um, basically two two companies. Uh, I, I've created a sports brand. Uh, well, sports, um, well, CBD performance. It's like a sports nutrition brand. Um, and I've also bringing out another brand as well. Um, but that's that's something that I'm passionate about. I wanted to go into something that that I'm actually passionate about and I'm in control because unfortunately sometimes, especially in football, you can give your all and it's not in your hands sometimes. So I wanted to be able to to come out of football and have something in my own control and that I'm passionate about. And luckily enough, football gave me the platform to be able to do that. Um but it's been difficult as well. I think the good thing about football is it's given me the resilience that I know that I can get through kind of pretty much anything. If something goes wrong in business or someone tells you it, oh, I don't like it, it's rubbish. It's, it's fine. It's no problem. It's not. It's not like playing against Millwall and getting pulled all this kind of stuff and or you know looking on Twitter. Over it. I still get it now. I've been retired five years. I still look at it. I still get battered on Twitter. So it's just like. It's nowhere near as bad in terms of, you know, there's nothing to be scared of on the other side, nothing that, that should hold you back. Uh, and Johnny, over to you again now. Yeah, no, Simon, I was just talking about you because I'm big around mental health myself and, and men, men talking and men do need to talk. We don't talk. And, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. It's not sexist. It, it's a big problem. It's a big problem in football. It's a big problem in life. And the whole, you know, making that, safe place for people to talk. I think there should be more mental health first aid training maybe in football, you know, for the, for the team. You know, one in four people has a mental health problem. Just because you're footballers, you're not any different to, to everyone else, are you? No, the problem the problem in football is, yeah, you're right. It's, there's, there's, as I said, there's a lot of pressure, not just from a performance point of view, from fans' expectations, from the club's expectations, but then you've also got to go home and you've got to deal with whatever's going on at home because people yeah. forget we've all, got, we've all got our issues, we've all got our problems. And yeah, sometimes the clubs can provide psychologists, but when you're in a, a club environment, you're always wary about what you say. Yeah. Um, I've been at clubs where I've spoken to a psychologist and it's gone back to the manager and it's affected my selection on, on Saturday. So what chance have you got as a player to be able to open up? And that's why I say about good managers you're able to knock in his door and you're able to just have a conversation someone who was great at that was Brendan Rodgers like amazing really good Chris Coleman amazing um you can just have a conversation and just be open and honest and there's no there's no judging here 
this is a safe space, just me and you, talk to me, I want to get the best out of you. And I think that is massive in football. And unfortunately, we just don't see it. It's Again, it's not rocket science. Yeah. We're humans. Get How do you get the best out of a person? You're there. You're able to, they're able to feel like they can express themselves personally and professionally. And Simon, have you, have you spoken to um, Brian McDermott about this sort of thing? Because obviously he... He's come out and, and talked about his mental health struggles. And I went to see his presentation in, in Henley a few weeks ago with Russell Brand that he did, um, you know, his recovery from addiction. And, and uh, you know, we're really pleased for Brian. He's got the role at, at Hibs now. Um, and and I actually, I met up with Brian recently and he said, because I, I talked to him, you know, about some issues that I was having and he was really, really helpful, really kind to me and it really helped me. Um, and, and one thing he said to me on, on this topic was that was that, that me and him are unusual in that we're being open and we're talking about it because it's normal. You You might have a perception of someone that they're okay, but that might be just because they're not talking about it. So have you have you had those sorts of conversations with Brian? Yeah, do you know what? Me and Brian caught up um, last year and he probably wouldn't mind me saying that, you know, we, we ended certainly the Reading relationship on a real sour note. Um, and he called me up and he, um, he basically told me what he was going through at the time. I had no idea. And, you know, we had a really, really good conversation. I'm really glad, like, we, we had that because it was difficult. I was going through things that I felt like I couldn't tell him. He was going through, he was obviously going through things now, like, that, that you know, were causing so many issues and it was difficult. And I, I wouldn't have understood at the time at, at 23 or, well, like he said, we, we just wouldn't have said it. Wouldn't have said it. Wouldn't have been able to to talk about these things. And yeah, it was great. It was great listening to him and uh, and catching up and talking about things. You know, you can't change the past. The past is what it is. Um, you know, as you get older, you kind of realise what what's more important. And you know, certainly for when you're stuck in football, the mindset of football is don't show weakness. You know, hold your, hold yourself back. Hold yourself. Or, you know, don't show anyone that you're struggling or it's difficult or you're not in control. And, you know, I think we need to be able to remove that. But, you know, football stuff, it's, dinosaur, it's run by dinosaurs. There's too many dinosaurs in the football world and it's so difficult to, to have that. But I think a new era of managers, hopefully they will, they will under, uh, look at um, uh, Russell at um, Swansea. Who's brilliant? He's, you know, he's able to to talk about that. He's put things in place to help the players be able to speak and look at other things outside of football. And you know, it's it, it's brilliant. Yeah, Johnny, back to you. Yeah, I think you were saying something. Like, you know, the more people that talk about their issues, um, I'm open about mine. Have been, and you know, it helps other people. You know, in my my world. But the more you know, footballers that come out and speak. Can only help the next generations, can't it? And and, and that then that filters through that it's okay to do that, isn't it? And that trust is there then, isn't it? And that's for anyone going through a problem is is huge. Yeah, massively. I think you know it's always it's always been kind of pushed under the carpet, 
and you felt like you're not able to to talk about it because you're going to get judged or it's going yeah. to have a negative impact on your work or you know whatever you're going to get you know criticized or humiliated or you know taking the piss out of whatever yeah i think yeah certainly Oh. Oh. Condition to be robots. Yeah. Sorry, um, see you for a second there, Simon. I might be my tiskily broadband. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're right. The, the more people that can come out and actually just be open and honest, there's not a lot of honesty in football. Um, that's that's just how the industry's been. But yeah, I think the more people that are brave enough to kind of stick their head out, and you know, I've seen Trent do it and talk about. The, the problems, the aftercare. Yeah, there's been a lot more players that are willing to 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 do this. Not while they're playing, though. They wait until they're after. Yeah, the majority wait until after because it does have a negative impact on your on your playing time or your position. Can I ask last question for you? How was it the Legends game? We spoke to you before last year. How was it for you being back with the lads playing and at the ground? And oh, it's amazing. It's like when you when you get away from that, you you miss it. It's yeah. impossible not to miss it. There's a lot of things that you don't miss, but that kind of buzz of playing, being around your mates. I said about our team, and and that team was probably one of the best teams I've been part of. And you know, we all got back in. We hadn't seen seen each other for years, and straight away we just clicked with the same banter, the the same stuff. And that day was great. You know, it was a good turnout from the fans as well. Yeah. We really enjoyed it, seeing some old faces, obviously playing against the older guys. They struggled a little. But um yeah, it was it was it was such a good day. It was such a great day. And I think, you know, it's difficult it's difficult when you retire and you get away from it. But to have days like that, it just makes it, you know, re- really sweet. And uh Simon, I I got a question for you. Who who do you still keep in touch with? Um, in terms of players from your Reading days and, and out of those players, um, you know, who, who's the kind of the, the funniest characters that, that you're still in touch with? Um, I still speak to Hal, Jem, Piercy, um, even Gilfie. Um, yeah, we, 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 you know, we grew up together. We had such a good relationship. It's still the same. It's obviously difficult all over the the country at the minute doing different things and coming towards the end of well it's just Piercy that's still hanging on <laughs> um but yeah he's probably the biggest character I would say he's he's just on a different planet all the time um but yeah we're coming to the age it's just crazy to think that we're coming to the age you know where we're moving on to other things coming out of the game and no, someone like Jem, I think, has got so much experience. You know, he wants to get back in the game. He's got, he's got, you know, that yeah, that experience and that hunger and desire to kind of come back and make a difference. And I think someone like him and and other people that they'd be an asset to to certainly Reading or or another football club. And I think you know, football clubs especially, they don't utilise ex players that have had the experience of success. Yeah. at certain football clubs, certain levels, to come back in, in roles. You know, we're we're bringing in people, making these decisions that have never been part of a, a team or part of a club. And it's uh, that really, really baffles me. And do you have a desire to, to get into coaching, management, 
you know, there's some obviously Joby McEnough players like that uh, doing a lot of punditry stuff. Did, did, does any of that appeal to you? And if so, are you looking towards, you know, heading in that direction or are you kind of happy doing what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, I think um, the coaching thing, manager things, not it's not for me. I did my badges and I just knew that wasn't going to be for me at all. Um, I tried, tried. I've done a bit of punditry. Um, I don't mind it. Um, you know, I think when I retired, I, start, I did resent football for a little bit, so I just wanted to stay away. I think I'm getting to, I'm getting the itch back now. Um, so I feel like I've got enough experience and understanding to, to kind of come back in some capacity, whether that's you know as an advisor or. Uh, a mentor or you know anything like that I, I really do like the the idea of, of being a player mentor um and just sharing the experiences and bit, like like you said there just having someone independent to talk to but understands exactly what you're going through right. because I think sometimes when you speak to psychologists and things like that they don't truly understand what you're going through they're experts in the field and they have enough experience dealing with athletes and that kind of stuff, but they don't truly understand what you're doing. Um, so maybe that's a role, maybe as an advisor, I don't know. I think that's probably something I'd I'd look to to do in the future for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Simon, absolute pleasure to have you back on again. And uh, yeah, great to to hear about what you're up to now. And, and thanks for, for talking to us about um, all the other stuff and, and your opinions of, of Reading and what they need to do next. So thanks very much. No worries. No thanks worries. a lot, Simon. Kind. Thanks, Simon. Really appreciate that. That's all right. No worries. No worries. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.